Welcome to this World Extreme Medicine podcast. My name is Dr. Jen Sherman, doctor, coach, and expedition medic. If you're a paramedic, doctor, nurse, physio, or indeed anybody working in healthcare who has a curious and adventurous mind, then this is the podcast for you. Today, we are going to be talking about why adventure is essential to well-being. And to explore this with me in this episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming Belinda Kirk. Belinda is an explorer and a leading campaigner in the promotion of the benefits of adventure on well-being. For the last 25 years, she has led dozens of international expeditions and remote filming trips. In 2009, she then went on to establish Explorers Connect, which is a non-profit organisation connecting people to adventure and has has encouraged over 30,000 people ordinary people to engage in outdoor challenges. In 2020, she launched the first conference to explore the positive impact that adventurous activity has on well-being. And her latest venture is her book, Adventure Revolution, The Life-Changing Power of Choosing Challenge, which is due for release this summer. Welcome, Belinda, to this podcast. How are you doing? Hello, it's great to be here. Um, Well, I'm here and you're there, but it's great to be talking to you in this lovely virtual way. Um, Thanks for having me today. No problems. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So um, let's dive straight in. So I think a great starting point for our listeners is is maybe, you know, as we're talking about, you know, adventure and well-being today um, broadly is is maybe if you could give um, me a bit of a back, a bit, a bit of a background into how your own relationship with adventure began. Well, I think it probably began when I was a very young child. Um um, I, I remember I was very, very lucky. I grew up on an island called um, Aldney, one of the Channel Islands. And I, I was there for about five years until I was about 10 years old or nine years old, I think. And so those really formative years, I, because it's a small island, everyone knows each other. And at the time, there's very little traffic. I was really able to be quite feral. And the word feral was often used about me. Um, I remember I had that freedom, and I think it's a freedom a lot of people from my generation had that maybe we don't have now because of the changes in society. You know, I'd go off on my bike with my friend or on my own, and I'd just go off all day if I wasn't at school, and I'd just go off on an adventure, you know, find, explore the island, find secret dens, climb trees, do all that sort of very idyllic Swallows and Amazon type stuff, which... It was completely normal back then, but I think it's less normal now. But it, it, it just gave me this great, great sort of base to explore. And it was definitely, I had this secret garden. I remember my secret garden that I found, which years later I found was actually a real place. I hadn't kind of imagined it. It's this very long walled garden hidden in a woodland in Alderney um, with a little shrine and a little um, spring at the end. Um, and... I hardly, I don't think I can really remember seeing adults there or maybe once I remember someone else being there. So I thought it was just my secret garden and I would go there on my own and and sort of inspect the species and the birds and the the insects and whatever. I I became a biologist eventually. So I think it all started there as well. But I think that's where I really was a first an explorer. I was able to go off. There was a freedom and there there was an ability to explore as a child. And I, 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 when I, we moved back to the mainland when I was about 10 or 9 or 10 years old. And we moved to the city and we were in Brist- Bristol's, uh, my favourite city in the world. It's just brilliant. 
but it is a city and there was the less freedom for me then. And I lost my touch, it, my sort of, my, uh, I lost touch with adventure. But I think that, that grounding that I got so young meant that I came back to it later on. Um, and that, yeah, and then I came back to it through the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Um, so that was quite my reintroduction to adventure. And then ever since then, I've never let it out of my life, really. Um, it's just something that is, it is my, it's my obsession. It's always been my thing. Uh, I'm quite one dimensional. <laughs> All I talk about is adventure. Well, I've got a son now, so I talk about him a lot as well now. But um, yeah, my number one topic is my son now, but adventure comes a close second. A close second. Yeah, no, that, that's brilliant. And and I guess in the question um, I have, you mentioned that you went on to become a biologist. Um, where did um, the leading of expeditions and, um, you know, all the filming that you've went on to do, how, how did that begin? How did you get into that? And, and what was the inspiration behind that? When I was about 15 or 16, I went to my careers advisor and uh, we all had our session with our careers advisor. And I said to my careers advisor, I want to be an explorer. And she basically told me I wouldn't be. <laughs> I hear this story a lot, actually, from people who do all sorts of things. Um, bless them. Bless the careers advisors out there. But, yeah, um, I basically thought, well, that's not an option. And so I went for my second favourite thing, which is, I mean, David Attenborough is a big hero, still is um, a big hero, um, <clears throat> a complete legend, isn't he? And I thought, right, well, if I can't be an explorer, I want to work with David Attenborough, Attenborough make wildlife films and save the whale sort of thing. And, um, and so that's what I set out to do, literally. I was quite focused. I did, um, my, my grandfather was a zoology professor in Africa. So I always heard stories. I grew up with stories of, of nature and, and, and um, of nature and wildlife. So I, had a, I already had a real affinity with learning about nature. But also I had this aim now. I wanted to work in natural history with David Attenborough. And so I, I thought, right, I need to do a biology degree and I need to get some fieldwork experience. And it was actually through following that path that I went on my first expedition when I left school, um, before I went to university to do a degree um, in biology. Uh, and I went off to Africa and I did a, I was a field research assistant, essentially, on a sort of biological expedition. So that's how it kind of, it actually led me into bigger expeditions and adventures. Mm -hmm. um, a, lot of our, a lot of our explorers and adventurers are people who are essentially our, our, our scientists, I think, our geologists and our um, geographers and our biologists and so on. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's a good way of getting paid to adventure. <laughs> well, it, no, it, I, I was actually just about to ask that. That's it, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a way to make a living, but yet still feel like you're exploring and, and you know, pushing, pushing that aspect of yourself. And I guess um, I know within that you also then went on to lead um, some quite high profile. You, you've been involved in some quite high profile expeditions and also some youth expeditions. I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about those experiences. Yes, yeah, so I I went on that first expedition when I was eighteen to Africa. I spent three months in the um, monsoonal rainforests in um, eastern Tanzania, and it literally changed my life. I mean, um, the Duke of Edinburgh scheme really set me off on a new route. But this African trip was—I think once you start taking steps down that road, it just becomes—it's this wonderful feedback, and it just 
it gave me the confidence to take bigger steps and huge strides eventually. So it just led me on to bigger and bigger expeditions. And, um, and I, I, I couldn't see how I could make a living out of it. But I thought, well, if I get more and more experienced in it, then people will eventually pay my expenses. And then eventually I might get paid to do some of this, which actually in the end sort of happened. You know, um, I sort of, so, so I did my first expedition I paid for. My second expedition, I think I got my flights paid for. And then my third, fourth expeditions, um, I got my insurance and flights and expenses paid for. And then it, eventually I was, I was valuable to people. I, you know, I had valuable experience and um, eventually I was getting paid to um, take teams in and out of the jungles, particularly jungles and desert. I did it for bi on biological expeditions and on youth development expeditions initially. And I must say youth development expeditions are still alive and strong and there's some wonderful organizations out there. It's a great, it's, it's still the best things I've ever done. It's up there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan of youth development expeditions, but because I, over the years, over about five or six years, um, I, I really grew up, I really sort of grew this experience of, of being able to get people into some quite unusual places. But I got a call from TV and um, essentially they wanted to go into some unusual places um, and I was able to um, facilitate that because I'd either been there or I'd done lots of jungle or desert stuff. And I started taking film crews into remote locations, sorting all the logistics and the safety out. And it just, it kind of went in tandem. I'd run expeditions and I'd either get paid for it or, or I'd do my, my own personal big challenges. And so I ran expeditions half the time and then I ran remote film trips the other half the time. And the remote film trips paid well <laughs> so that I could do the youth development expeditions that either didn't pay or paid very little. And it was a happy medium, you know, I love, I love both. The great thing about youth development expeditions is that, and biological ones is that they, they're really, really meaningful. And the great thing about remote filming trips is that they're great fun. You get to go to places that you would never, I mean, you've got a budget to get into places you'd never usually reach. Um, it's very sociable going on big film shoots often because there's big gangs of you. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it was good. Um, and so that's kind of, that was my career for a good 15 years, really, mixing up expeditions and filming. Fantastic. And then that then, was it then at the end of that or within that time that Explorers Connect was born? <laughs> um, so I started Explorers Connect um, in 2009. And I was, I was still working in adventure TV um, and expeditions, but I wanted to, I loved what I did. And I, but I don't, I've never believed in a job for life. Um, I, and I love fresh challenge. And so I wanted to do something of my own as well that was entirely along my values and belief systems. It was com completely aligned with what I wanted to do with my time. And I really wanted to get people into adventure because by then I really understood that was, adventure was important for us. And TV was great. TV has a great role. Bear, the Bear Grylls shows I worked on, Rainiers, those sorts of shows. They're really good at inspiring people to get outdoors and to do adventurous stuff. 
but I wanted to, to be a bit more hands-on and a bit a bit more practical than that. So I set up Explorers Connect really to connect explorers. I mean, that's literally, it was to create a home for an existing expedition community. This was before Facebook and Meetup and all of these sorts of really good channels that you can use now, which I'm terrible at using. <laughs> um, and it was all, it, it's still, it's still very traditional the way I run Explorers Connect. It's all largely by newsletter. We do have social media channels as well that people, you know, chat to each other on and stuff. But it's, it was really about creating a hub for expedition people and to draw new people into expeditions because I used to think that it was expeditions that changed lives, not adventure, but specifically that everyone should go on one big expedition in their life and that will, that will change your life for the better because it had for me. Um, and um, over the years, Explorers Connect has evolved to become much more about getting people into adventure. And I, what I realized is that it's much more impactful to help people to get into smaller adventures, introductory level adventures. Because by the time people are doing big expeditions, they're usually quite, they're already on their road, on that road. So Explorers Connect is, is about pe helping people take the next step, whether it be a small adventure or a big adventure, there's all sorts of ways to help people get going but it's not just big expeditions anymore yeah no that makes sense and I think I think that really resonates actually I think you know what you're saying there is that actually um people doing big expeditions are already they're already sold on the power of it aren't they, they they've already seen the benefits whereas those who maybe are actually a bit scared you know they're a bit fearful of that initial step into you know getting onto a paddleboard or going wild camping or you know it, it's it's um it's that step that sometimes uh needs the most support but when given can have the biggest results if that makes sense no exactly that's exactly it you can i always think that my mission for explorers connect has always been to make adventure more accessible and yeah. to help people to live more adventurously those are always the two sort of mantras in my head and actually to help people do to the, the most impact that I can get I have to keep shifting how I do it so sorry I'm not saying that very well so the mission has always stayed the same but my my but what I do to help people to live more adventurously has evolved over the years initially it was about connecting people and it still does we still have a join a team page for people setting up expeditions looking for teammates still the most popular part of the website but over the years because of things like meetup and facebook and there's now loads of hubs to meet adventurous people which is brilliant you know there's there's groups um for women for men for um uh, for uh, people with dogs, for people who just want to wild swim or just want to climb mountains, whatever. There's, there's, there's all these different niches and categorizations, and that's great. But it gave it, Explorers Connect, it, it, it gave me the idea that it's, it's not so important now to connect people because people are now connecting more. So what I, it's evolved into more is about um, the latest thing is to create the Adventure Mind Conference series and also the book. It's about really trying to explain and find out, sort of discover and explore why adventure is so essential to well-being and why aren't we valuing it and why aren't we making time for it and why isn't it in our public policies? Why isn't it in our schools? You know, why have we lost it from our modern world and how can we add it back? 
and, and why is it, you know, why is it important to do that? And so my, my Explorers Connect's mission is really my mission. And my mission has, the mission has changed, but the, the how to do it has, has evolved. It evolves over the years because I've gotten older and life changed for me, but also the world has changed. So, um, yeah, sorry, I'm waffling probably. <laughs> but no, yeah. I think I but think yeah. that's excellent actually because I think you've brought you've brought us on to what 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 we really want to talk about today, which is actually that you know wh- why is adventure why is adventure so important for our well being and why why isn't it as valued as it should be? And so I guess that that's a question I have for you is because um, obviously I know we're going to come to talk about the book in, in a bit more detail, but I mean what what is it about? How did this come about? This kind of like more of the focus of the well-being benefits of adventure. How did maybe you could just talk me through how that idea or how that thinking within you has has developed or came about? Yeah, so oh, there's a long answer to that. <laughs> I'll start. You can cut it out what you want. Um essentially it started for me because I personally was a very unconfident um, teenager. I had, I had, there was issues going on in my, at that period of my life. And it was difficult for me to deal with those things going on that I won't go into because it involves other people. But that difficulty that I was facing, the difficulties I was facing over a good few years, I, I, I became very, I had very, very low confidence. And it was through going on Duke of Edinburgh that I am going on an adventure again that, that really, really lit. It was like lit a fuse in me. It, it, a light came on. And I found hope and I found confidence through doing the Duke of Edinburgh award scheme. And it was, and it was, it then led me towards doing my yeah, expeditions. And it was each of those early expeditions. Um, in my teenage and early 20s, literally were my therapy and my crucible of, you know, it, that's where I forged who I became, how I found self-belief, how I found what I was capable of. And I thought that adventure had worked for me, or at the time, I thought expeditions worked. But it was over a few more years of, of taking other people on expeditions that I kept seeing it working for other people. And I was stood, I, I took this Amazon um, about 18 years ago now, and I was stood outside the Royal Geographical Society sort of six months after the expedition had ended. We were going to present the expedition at the RGS. And we were stood in the rain, it was this grey day, and this, this woman came up to me. We were all queuing, everyone on the expedition, we were all queuing to get in to do our presentation. And this woman came up to me and she said, what have you done to my daughter? And, and I was like, oh, no. And through my head, I was all these ideas rushed in, like I'm in trouble. Was it the girl who got bitten by a bat? Was it, you know, was it the team that that got missed their resupply? Because I I rolled our Toyota into a jungle (laughs) trap and we couldn't resupply them for several days. And they were eating crackers and not not very happy about it. Um, Not much else. And I was thinking, yeah, which one was it? What was the problem? And then she said, and she just gave, she just came and gave me this massive hug. And then she said, I'm Alice's mother. And, uh, you know, and she, she told, and then it clicked. So Alice had been this, um, her, Alice was a, a, a teenager on the expedition who had, who had a lot of, who was dealing with a lot of issues, had self-harm um, and had, um, um, had 
had not maybe formed as many relationships or friendships. And she was obviously struggling. She came on the expedition. I saw a transformation on the expedition. But what was, what was absolutely extraordinary to me was that six months later, her mum came to me and here she was hugging me in the rain, telling me how her daughter had completely transformed since the expedition. And she was now helping at home. She had friends. She had really started to build some, you know, she built some friendships and relationships, which is the most, possibly the most important thing in the world, isn't it? She was doing better at school, da 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 And I was like, wow, definitely. At that moment, I thought, no, adventure isn't just transformative for me. It wasn't just my therapy. It's really, really impactful. Um, and then that was like a turning point for me. And then over the years, I would just, I suppose I had my ears and eyes open for it. And I would just see it again and again and again, this transformation. And I'm sure that your listeners, a lot of them are expedition uh, medics, they will have seen that in the young people or in the adults or, or you know, or older people, whoever, whoever goes, it, it happened. it works for all age groups. They will have seen that themselves. And I really wanted to get to the bottom of it because I, the, I wish 20 years ago, someone could have handed me my, the book I've just finished of like, this is why adventure works. Okay. I might not be, I might not have quite got it right, but I'm, if this is a first try, a first attempt sort of thing at trying to make this explanation and find out. Um, and it was like, right, this is why we should value it. And also if we understand it better, this is how we should apply it. You know, this is how we should use adventure in our uh, everyday life or in our expeditions to try to help people's well-being. Because let's face it, we have a well-being, we have a mental well-being um, crisis on our hands at the moment um, in the Western in the Western world. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I hope that, does that answer it? I'm waffling it on. It does. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, thank you for sharing. I mean, I think you, you know, it's a combination of the the personal kind of experience of it, but then also the professional, you know, seeing seeing the same process repeated through various different expeditions and wondering what, what what's the um I guess what's the process? What's actually happening here? You know, why is this um why does this work? You know, <laughs> that you know, it's a question I've also asked myself as a predominantly in the youth development kind of sector you know you see it time and again you know the the example you give of, of of Alice is one that you know as soon as you started speaking I was I could think of a few a few of my own kind of you know examples of that and and it's um it's kind of the the it's those types of moments that that give you the tingles I always think because you think um somebody needs to find a way to put this in a bottle and tap it and <laughs> and hand it out so I mean I guess my question is um then just following on from that and um, that that's obviously the inspiration behind the book um and I wonder if you could explain a bit more about what it is you try and tackle you know I know broadly you're tackling tackling why why adventure is so important to well-being but maybe a little bit more about, about the details of what it is you're actually trying to kind of um, get into in the book? Well, um, gosh, that's such a big question, isn't it? 200 pages worth of answers to that. Um, <laughs> so if initially I thought, I, I think I've identified a number of areas. Adventure is important to well-being. So Traditionally, we, adventure has been used, not so much in England but or Britain. It is being used in Britain, but not, not very much. It's for adventure therapy. So the idea of healing people um, and as part of a therapeutic, adventure being used as part of a therapeutic process. 
that's there's a lot of evidence for that. It's it's pretty well um, um, supported now. It's definitely much better practiced in in say Australia, New Zealand, America. There's a lot of practitioners doing it, and there's a lot of evidence for it. So it's it's a really good solid base. So there's, there's there's the idea of adventure being used as a therapy when there's already a problem, but also I'm I'm a I'm a I've, I've read a lot about positive psychology and the idea of it's not let's not just look at when things are wrong and fix them let's think about how to be the best that we can be because and also that is essentially a way of preventing problems as well coming up later um, so it's more about I'm 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 the book a lot of the book is about prevention and about performance and being the best that we can be, having the best lives that we can live. And so I look at sort of a lot of personal growth and how it's so important and how adventure helps us to grow as people, how, how adventure is a great, learn, a great teacher that helps us learn how to face fears. Because if we face fear and know how to deal with fear, that's a huge way of opening doors in our lives. Also, of course, I could write a whole book about why children need adventure. Um, there's a there's a there's a there's a chapter on on growing up and why adventure is so essential. It, both as a rites of passage, something we've lost from our society, um, but also as as younger, you know, how do we teach our children resilience and how to cope? Coping mechanisms. Adventure is the perfect tool to do that. It's a perfect intervention. Um, but also, I also talk about how adventure helps to strengthen relationships to experience find real joy um you know positive emotions is a great a great um ingredient for well-being permanent you know long-term well-being and also for finding meaning so um you can throw all of those nice things into your life but meaning is is a is a key component and, and how adventure helps us to find meaning so i kind of i deal with those seven aspects i also talk in the book about um uh why adventure isn't in our everyday. You know, I, I believe that it's called adventure revolution because it's a play on evolution. There's a bit of evolutionary psychology in there as well. I believe that we were born, uh, our, our bodies were, were evolved to live as hunter-gatherers. We, you know, I think if, if you've read things like Sapiens or, or all these other great books around at the moment, there's, there's an awful lot of evidence out there to say that our bodies do well when we live in a sort of, if we adapt certain paleolithic lifestyle habits, you know, barefoot running, paleo diet, things like that, our bodies evolved to live like our hunter-gatherer ancestors, and if, and and our 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 societies have evolved much faster, uh, much faster rate than evolution, our, our, our um, DNA and our genes can catch up with. So our bodies are designed to live like a caveman and our, our lifestyle is us sitting in behind, behind screens in boxes, getting not enough sleep, not enough daylight, not enough exercise. And so there's a huge amount of data around our bodies doing better physically when we adapt to um, paleolithic hunter-gatherer type lifestyles aspects. Not the whole, obviously. I'm not saying we should go back to living as hunter-gatherers. You know, medicine is a really good thing. <laughs> you know, we have, but it's about blending. It's about realizing what we've lost along the way. And this evolutionary mismatch between how our bodies were designed to live and how our bodies now live, it's also the same with our minds. I'm a great believer in that. And it, it is a lot of evidence around evolutionary psychology. And I think this evolutionary mismatch between how our minds are used today and our minds are 
we, we are designed to be used um, is where a lot of our mental health problems come from. Mm. Um, and it's also though how we can tap into being the very best that we can be. So I go into evolutionary psychology. It sounds, I start, hopefully the book's not sounding really dry. It's not a science. It is a popular science book, but there's loads of adventure stories too <laughs> um, to, to inspire and make your heart sort of, um, uh, yeah, some of these stories still make me well up when I, when I think about them. Um, but so the book tackles, why have we lost adventure? How, you know, why is it a problem? You know, what's, what's the absence of, of adventure doing to us? And if we add it back, look at all these ways. And most of the book is like, if we add it back, look at all these ways that it helps us, helps us to heal, to grow, to grow up, to face fear, to stretch, you know, to improve our relationships, et cetera. So that's what the book's about. It's, it's about trying to understand, yeah, the, for the very first time, how we can be the very best that we can be and live our very best lives. Mm. And, and hopefully achieve, achieve sort of optimal well-being. But it's peppered with lots and lots of stories. Of it's the stories that keep kept, kept making me go back to the science because I haven't. I'm a lapsed scientist. I had I, I studied biology at Oxford University uh, 20 years ago now or something, and I have got an ology, but I wouldn't call myself <laughs> a scientist anymore. Um, so it's been a real. It was it was a real challenge for me to kind of go back to yeah like oh all the jargon of scientific reports and you know it, and papers but but I desperately wanted to understand what was going on mm. um sorry something's come up on my phone oh, that's so distracting um but yes yeah, so I desperately wanted to know what was going on and and I would use these stories of of transformations that I had either seen myself or gone through myself or occasionally that I would work working with other professionals they would tell me stories of transformation I would think how did that work how you know why did that work and there's this beautiful there's this extraordinary story that keeps just that, that was a real motivator for me to keep to keep digging there's this this young boy called Sam this teenager um who um joined um, what was then a, a, a sort of pilot surf therapy session in Cornwall. And he was one of the very first kids to be, uh, to be put onto this um, surf therapy session through social prescribing. And social prescribing, not only expeditions are important, but social, I really want to get over how important social prescribing is, especially because there might be, you know, GPs and people out there listening. So social prescribing is great for for, for green time, but also what about adventure time? And so this little, this, this teenager, Sam, had become an elective mute through traumatic experiences in his life. He had, um, he had, he could speak, but he had chosen not to, and he hadn't spoken for quite, quite some time. And he started doing this surf therapy course and six weeks of surf therapy, of learning to fall over and get back up again, of learning to engage and be in the moment, this, the mindfulness of being on the on the water, and just being in that moment, and you know, focusing on trying to catch the wave and stand up, and and then the achievement, the positive emotions of, of achieving that, and he really started to come out of himself. And one day, towards the end of the six week course, he just started chatting to his surf mentor, and his parents were on the beach watching this. And I can just, you can just imagine, you know, 
for, for years they hadn't heard their son speak and then they saw him speaking to this 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 instructor who had actually hadn't he's not a therapist or a a, a, um, a, 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 a sort of medical expert he's a surf instructor giving this kid a bit of a chance to learn to surf but allowing this kid to go through those processes of positive emotion achievement of resilient building resilience through falling down and getting off and get, getting back on again and um, and this incredible mindfulness and engagement um, that he was also experiencing and the parents came up at the end and they said you know, you've given our son back to us thank you so much you've given us our son back and it, that's just six weeks of you know twice a week surfing um these kinds of you know it doesn't have to be an expedition on the other side of the world and it's those sorts of things that just make me think god we have such opportunity it doesn't have to be expensive we have such opportunity to to add adventure to our lives and it can make a huge huge difference <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> yeah so i'm a, i'm sorry i've gone off the point now but um um what was the what was the original question? Yeah, no, I think I think um, it was you know what um I think it was a very broad question about what what um what are the different domains that you try and try to address within the book, which I think you've definitely um answered really um you know really thoroughly there. And I think you know there's a couple of things that come up for me on reflection of my own experiences of adventure and of taking those others on adventures is that um you know there's something that happens you know most adventures that you go on are not rosy there are challenge and obviously I know it's in the title of your book the power of challenge isn't it there are um you know there are challenging parts there are parts that actually just aren't very fun like if it starts raining and you're out on the top of a mountain particularly in the UK not so nice it start it's windy it's not so nice you know there's there, it's a very that's a very simple example but there are adventure always in some level involves some degree of um, parts that you could label as being not so kind of pleasant, but, and, and the, there's some negative emotion associated with that as all as, as well as the positive. And it's, I've always thought to myself that actually it's that cycle of going through an adventure, which is an experience and having it involve both positive and negative. That's really important because that's really so important for developing resilience because resilience isn't just about rosiness it's about actually getting through those difficult moments the type two fun isn't it the type the fun and reflection and and that how important that is for resilience and for kind of self-belief self-efficacy um you know so i think i i'm sure you do address that in the book do you do you talk a little bit about type two fun mm -hmm. and, and the power of the kind of the negative and the challenging um or is it even negative you know we label things as negative but actually um you know that's just a that's a society thing again if that makes sense no it's absolutely I couldn't agree more I I, I define adventure as an as a mixture of challenge uncertainty and adversity yeah and all three elements are, are essential you don't have to have huge amounts of adversity for, for small steps for people to start but but the the reason I think that adventure is once you get once you get into it you you choose to go on this uncertainty, you, you, sorry, you, you choose to go into the unknown and you know that there's going to be, it's going to be uncomfortable at times. You know that there's going to be adversity, but you know that the payoff is far, far greater than a little bit of uncomfortability along the way. And so it's that idea of, I think we've created a, a, a world that is very comfortable and is very routine based and very predictable. 
And it's actually not how our brains work. Um, and there's, I mean, I could go on about why. There's, there's neuroscience around why our brains, are, our brains are actually designed to be playful and to be challenged. You know, our brains don't, are not supposed to work um, in this mundane, routine-based way that we all get into it. I know I do. You, know, you get up, you go to work the same way. You, you sit in front of a screen, you do the same sort of work. You talk to, the same, talk to your friends at work about the same stuff. Yeah, we all get into these patterns and it's not necessary. It's okay to have a bit of comfort zone, but it's really important to step out of that comfort zone because that's where we grow. That's where we learn. Um, but it's also, it's called a comfort zone because when you step out of it, it is uncomfortable. That's the whole point. So I totally agree with you. Adversity is a really essential element. It's not maybe that's what you want to put on the poster when you're trying to get people to do adventures. Hey, come and have a really bad time. You know, um, but, but the thing is when you've had a bad, when you've, when you've gone through hell and you've come out the other end, you actually feel really, really proud of yourself. And it's funny. Some of the worst times I've had on adventures, I have the most fond memories of. And when you, know, when you catch up with adventure friends and expedition friends, you don't talk about all the rosy stuff. You usually talk about when it all went a bit, a bit wrong. And, um, and, and yeah, I think you also build better relationships as well. Because when you, you're under, when you have a shared goal, it's important. This is important for building relationships. But when you're actually in the deep end, suffering a bit together, you build even stronger bonds. Um, I think that's, there's many elements. But yes, adversity is such an important part of it. And challenge, because we do live... And I'm not saying we live easy lives because our lives are actually not easy. We're under a lot of stress, but the wrong type of stress. Whereas adventure is a different type of much more short-lived stress um, and duress. But it's, it's then relieved by these periods of, uh, you know, of, of joy and, and relief and, uh, and so on. Because, um, because you're going through real change. You're stepping into another world. And you're really challenging yourself. And that's mm. incredibly powerful and, um, uh, yeah, in so many ways. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, you know, there's something about adventures, which they are, there's a natural pattern to them, a beginning, a middle and an end. You don't just keep climbing the mountain. That's not what you do. You climb the mountain to get to the top to come down. Does that make sense? Whereas sometimes I think in modern life that, the natural process of an adventure it, it doesn't happen in modern life it can sometimes feel like you're all you're doing is continuously trying to climb a mountain does that make sense I know I'm, I'm kind of met I'm using a metaphor there but I think that there's something about the process of an adventure which is very natural you know as you say there's periods of challenge combined with periods of of rest and and you know digest and yeah it's a very organic process yes I mean I think that's because it's a natural, we're living naturally, like our bodies yeah. were designed to live, like hunter-gatherers yeah. who lived adventurously all the time. They didn't have to choose adventure. They always lived adventurously. And I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying we should go back to living like hunter-gatherers because they couldn't choose not to have to fight off predators and stuff, you know. We have that choice. Mm. You you literally hit the nail on the head. So I, I used to think the same, and I dug down into this, and I was thinking, How does, why does this work? Why does this work? Essentially, if you look at cortisol, which is one of our stress hormones, cortisol, it's um, what you'll find in a lot of our, when you talk about constantly climbing a mountain and never having that rest, you know, we're always climbing the mountain. We're always under this permanent stress. It's not the highest level of stress, but it's that kind of middle le level of stress, but, but it's never ending. 
It's sitting in traffic jams. It's how I paid the bills. It's your, your mind never turns off. That kind of stress raises our cortisol levels, um, not to the peak levels, but it raises them above, um, above normal, above, above rest, resting. That raised cortisol level is what's responsible for a lot of mental health problems, a lot of our physical health problems as well. It's connected to um, diabetes, heart problems. If you look at, if you think about adventures and living adventurously or living like a hunter-gatherer, instead of this permanent stress, because our minds never turn off and our modern worlds are just constant, aren't they? including social media, beep, beep, beep notifications, which are, you know, terrible for our brains as well. When you go on an adventure, you walk away from your car with your backpack packed, or you get on that plane, or whatever it is, and as you walk off, all of those problems disappear. That constant cortisol stress disappears because now you're into a different kind of lifestyle, a hunting gatherer more natural way of living where cortisol you will you'll have times of, of high high cortisol where you get really maybe scared or stressed or worried but it will then you will then it will in a nap because you're living much more naturally it will then dip off and then you'll have those times of relief and happiness and and oh yeah we did that yeah we climbed that or we we you know we, we got that tent up when in the rain when we oh no it's a nightmare but we're here you have those periods of joy so if you imagine flatlining, there's this line of cortisol, mid-range cortisol in modern life, and it's like flatlining. And then you think of adventuring, and actually it's like a, um, a, a sine wave. Of, there's peaks and troughs and peaks and troughs. And I think that's actually much, well, it is. It's much, much healthier for us. But it's also why adventuring is so good, because we're bringing back that real natural way of experiencing stress and relief and happiness. And and achievement and so on. So it's, it's that wonderful thing that people talk about when they talk about adventures and feeling mo they're most alive and so on, which is a phrase everyone who ever talks about adventure uses. I, that's where I feel most alive. I think it's because also we can actually turn off that noise, finally, the modern life noise, and we can live more naturally in that sort of way. Mm. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's just a weird theory of mine, but I think it's, it, make, it makes sense. Oh no, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I, and I think you know I, I do realize we're coming, we're kind of we're, we're getting near the end of the podcast today. But I think one thing I also has been on my mind whilst we've been talking about this today is is that actually our um you know our it's not just our personal well being that is so kind of ignited and transformed by adventure. It's also our um, kind of earth well-being, if I'm honest. And I, 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 you know, consistently think that, you know, our our kind of disconnection with adventure and with our natural environment is um, a huge component of why we find ourselves in a climate crisis. <laughs> um, you know, and actually that is another benefit of us, um, you know, of us embracing an adventurous life is it, is it reconnects us with our natural world and, and it makes us, uh, you know, love it and cherish it a lot more and that can only ever be a positive thing given where we find ourselves at the moment as a kind of global society i, I couldn't agree more as well i i very very rarely meet adventurers who aren't also active conservationists because when you when you reconnect to nature and the natural rhythms of living you your appreciation and your values i think change 
Yeah. And um, and also, let's face it, it's our playground. If we don't protect our wild places, we can't. You, I don't believe you can have that many adventures in the urban environment. I think it's possible. It's like bouldering walls and stuff. Parkour is a good example. But it's much, much harder because they're rule-bound, man-made environments. We need the wild. We need the wilderness. And um, I think if people haven't connected to the nature argument because it's, let's face it, it's, it's it's depressing and and terrifying. I mean, I have <laughs> I have had real climate anxiety at times. Like, oh my god! Especially once you have a child, you're like, how can I can't bring my what can I do to protect my son's future? This is he'll have no he'll have no you know he won't see a gorilla in the wild. He won't see he won't see a whale shark. He 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 might not see a rainforest by then. Um, yeah, what are we doing? What are we do, what? How can this be? But if, if we um, if we think actually there's something positive, um, um, getting people outdoors is a great thing and into nature. But if that isn't turn, if, if that isn't attractive to them, well, surely adventure is attractive. You know, mm-hmm. of all these things that we, you know, the, these things that we want to engage in, adventures. Uh, um, we, ha- I think, we all have a natural call to adventure. It's mm-hmm. in all of us, even people who deny it and say, "Oh, I never want to camp," or "I never want to." I think everyone has this call to adventure and I think we can tap into it. It's there. It's in our, in, in our hunter gatherers. Then we can, it will help us forge um, people who are much more a society that's much more engaged with nature. And therefore if you, if you, you, if you're in nature, if you're engaged with nature, then you're going to want to protect it on you. So it's a big part of why I wrote the book. Yeah. 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 No, I'm sure. And I think, I think it's, it's such an important, um, it's such an important um, point to discuss and, and I think probably a really, really great point to finish on because I realise that we are unfortunately coming to the end of, of the podcast today. But um, I mean, Belinda, I, I'm sure there's going to be um, a lot of our audience who are listening today who would really like to um, connect with you and to know a little bit more about the book and when it's due to come out. So I wonder if what, what's the best way to connect with you? Is it through social media, your website or yeah, what's the best way? So you can email me through Explorers Connect, um, explorersconnect.com. You can you can drop me an inquiries email there. I'll ha- and I'll see I'll see that. Um, you can contact me through Explorer Belinda. So on social media, on social media, I'm Explorer Belinda. I'm I'm a bit rubbish at social media, so bear with me. <laughs> I have now finally figured out how to answer messages and DMs and all that stuff. But yeah, I am doing more of that. Um, for to, to get the word out about this. So you can contact me through um, Explorer Belinda. Um, you can also contact me through Explorers Connect. Um, the book, Adventure Revolution, is coming out on the 5th of August. Please do pre-order it. That really helps with sales and, and how things like Amazon pushes it up their algorithms and stuff like that. Um, essentially, because I'm, I'm desperate to, I mean, the reason I wrote the book is because I want the message to get out there, you know, even if you don't buy, buy one book and then share it around your friends. It's more about um, getting it into people's hands is what's really, really important. You know, once you've read it, give it to your mate, maybe that you think could do with a bit of adventure, get them to read it. Um, but if you do buy a pre-sale, or a pre-order one, that would be awesome before the 5th of August. Um, because it helps to yeah to get it flagged up in places and get it into bookshop windows instead of shelves and stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm all new to this book stuff, but yeah. Um, 
So I'm waffling. Sorry. Adventure Revolution is no. coming out on the 5th of August. Yes. It's on Amazon. It's on water. It's at Waterstones. Um, so you can find it um, and order it online and uh, it'll be in bookshops apparently. So my publisher tells, tells me, which is all very exciting. Yeah. And hopefully it's, hopefully it, um, the, you know, the book, I want it to do one thing. I want it, inspire, it to inspire people to get, to go out and do something adventurous that they wouldn't have otherwise done. And even better to take someone with them who doesn't do adventurous stuff, maybe. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, what a, yeah, what a great, um, what a great mission to be, um, to be, um, yeah, to be set night, set to achieve through the book. So thank you, Belinda, um, for yeah, a really inspiring conversation. And thank you to our listeners today for joining us.